Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Longtime listeners of our show will know that each and every week I discuss with a rabbinic guest the parasha, the weekly portion read in synagogues throughout the world. The Torah, the five books of Moses, is divided into weekly readings and most congregations throughout uh, the world, not in Israel, read on the same cycle. This week in synagogues, including Israel, the second book of the Torah, Exodus, known in Hebrew as Shmot, will begin the exploration of the Hebrews' experience in Hebrew in Egypt and then the first part of their journey uh, to the promised land. Let me give you an overview of this week's portion. Beginning in Exodus 1, continuing through Exodus 6, the children of Israel multiply in Egypt. The text tells us that threatened by their growing numbers, Pharaoh enslaves them, makes their lives bitter, and orders the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah, to kill all male babies at birth. When they do not comply, he commands his people to cast the Hebrew babies into the Nile. A child, the text tells us, is born to Yochaved, the daughter of Levi and her husband Amram, and placed in a basket on the river to ensure his survival, and while the baby sister Miriam stands watch from afar, Pharaoh's daughter discovers the child in the bulrushes and raises him as her son and names his Moses. The plot changes direction from the palace for we see that Moses leaves the palace and discovers the hardship of his brethren, the text tells us. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and kills the Egyptian. The next day, he sees two Jews fighting, and when he admonishes them, they reveal his deed of the previous day, and Moses is forced to flee to the land of Midian. There he rescues Jethro, the priest of Midian's daughters, marries one of them, Zipporah, and becomes a shepherd of his father-in-law's flocks. In one of the most powerful scenes in the entire Torah, God appears to Moses in a burning bush at the foot of Mount Sinai and instructs him to go back to Egypt and demand of Pharaoh, let me people go so that they may serve me. Moses' brother Aaron is appointed to serve as his spokesperson. In Egypt, Moses and Aaron assemble the elders of Israel to tell them that the time of their redemption has come. The people believe, but Pharaoh refuses to let them go and even intensifies the suffering of Israel. Moses returns to God 
and protests, saying, why have you done evil to this people? And God promises, as the Torah portion ends, that redemption is at hand. Well, those of you who know the beginning of the book of Exodus know that that is a brief synopsis. That is a brief synopsis. And with me this morning to discuss this week's parasha is Rabbi Bradley Bleefeld, one of the preeminent congregational rabbis of North America. Rabbi Bleefeld was ordained at Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, Ohio, and has served as senior rabbi of Reformed Congregation Knesset Israel in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, and as senior rabbi of Temple Israel in Columbus, Ohio, two preeminent congregations associated with the Reform Movement of North America. Um, He is well experienced as a congregational rabbi and is known for his extreme skill in life cycle events. Rabbi Bleefeld, it's a pleasure to have you join us on Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. My dear classmate, Rabbi Garden, thank you so much for inviting me to share this Torah portion with you and your listeners, because from my perspective, this is perhaps the most exciting and empowering Torah portion in the entire Torah text. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, I want to remind our listeners how the Torah portion begins and then quickly move to one of the most exciting episodes. For those of you who may have a text, let me offer the following introduction. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each coming with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of persons that were of Jacob's issues came to 70, Joseph already being in Egypt, which we learned at the end of the book of Genesis. And all that generation, Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation But the Israelites were fertile and prolific. They multiplied, increased very greatly so that the land was filled with them. That's our introduction, Rabbi Bleefeld. And it sets the the stage for what's going to happen in chapter 3. So let me introduce to the listeners chapter 3. I alluded to it in my introduction and my overview, but here it is from the biblical text. Now Moses, tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, drove the flock into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. An angel of God appeared to him in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed, and there was a bush all aflame. Yet the bush was not consumed. 
Moses said, I must turn aside to look at this marvelous sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? When the God saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He answered him, Here I am. And he said, Do not come closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am, he said, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And so the scene is set, Rabbi. Help us understand the meaning of this and the further verses in this chapter. The biblical author gets our attention at the very beginning of the book by stating Ela Shemot. These are the names. Those are the first two words of the book of Exodus. And then goes through, as you pointed out, the names of the sons of Jacob. Names is what the author wants us to focus on. Because when we get to the burning bush event, and what an incredible event that must have been, and for Moses, of course, an incredible attention getter. And for the rest of us through history, what could be a more dynamic attention grabber than a burning bush that is not being consumed in the flame? Because the message from this moment is the most empowering message in the entire biblical text. Moses is instructed by God to go back to Egypt and prompt an entire people to move from slavery to freedom. How is he going to do that? He's not sure. In fact, he's very unsure. And and he argues with God and, and finally asks, by what authority? By what power? When the people ask me, who's sending you? By what authority do you have to get up and, and prompt us and lead us to do this? Moses asks God, who shall I say is sending me? Who's empowering me? And God answers, I am. And Moses hears this phrase in Hebrew. And that has been immortalized in uh, movie history by Cecil B. DeMille's voice in the movie um, that that is enshrined in in great Hollywood dumb. Um, and in that Ten Commandments movie, we hear Cecil B. DeMille say, I am that I am. It is a completely incorrect translation of that phrase. It comes from the King James Version of the translation and presents God's name in the present tense, which is incorrect, because the Hebrew is ehiyeh asher ehiyeh, and those of us who know Hebrew grammar know that ehiyeh 
is the first person singular future tense form of the verb to be. Not I am who I am or I am that I am, but rather I will be who I will be. In other words, God is admitting that the divine presence in the universe is the presence of potential. I am potential, says God. I am who I will be. I am ever evolving. And why is this such a dynamic message to all humanity? Because it answers the question in the very first opening chapters and verses of the biblical text in Genesis, when God says, we will make humanity in our image. What image is that? In God's likeness. What is God's likeness? Well, most people think in terms of a physical likeness. But the biblical author wants us to understand it's not physical at all. In fact, it goes to the very heart of the essence of every human being. We are exactly like God. How so? Because each and every one of us, like the power in the universe, has potential. If God is potential, and the potential to release yourself from slavery is inherent in the message at the burning bush, it is that sacred message, that incredible, special message, not just to Moses and to the people of Israel, but to every human being. We are created in the image of the divine. And what is that image? It is described in this moment, in this chapter three of this book, the book of Exodus. We are potential. And with potential, so long as we recognize it, we can accomplish anything. God's potential is human potential. So, when Rabbi, um, if, then, you, if you'll just let me uh, explicate for our listeners, um, your wonderful reading of the text uh, differs a bit from how uh, those who see the text literally would understand it. Those who see the text literally would be speaking at great length about the miracle of a bush that burned but was not consumed. So you're asking us to um, understand that the, the, the text has a meaning beyond the literal expression that the text wants to convey more than just the narrative. As powerful as the narrative is and has led to a number of movies, uh, including the Ten Commandments, which you uh, quoted from, and Cecil B. DeMille, beyond that is a very powerful message. Um, is that a normative Jewish reading of the text? Actually, it springs from the commentary of both Rashi and Ibn Ezra on the verse in Genesis 
regarding God making humanity in the likeness of the divine. Both Rashi and Ibn Ezra, those great medieval biblical commentators, want to teach us that the biblical author is not speaking about a physical likeness, but rather, quote, the qualities of a human being. The biblical author wants us to understand that every human being in each of us created in the image of the divine, each of us has the qualities that will allow us each in our own way to rise to the greatest heights we as individuals could possibly attain. And that's potential. That's inherent in every human being. And God is saying, Moses, you're going to go back there and you're going to lead those people out. Will I help you? Of course I'll help you. How will I help you? I will help you by energizing you, by allowing you to re rely upon the innate quality that exists in you and in every one of those Hebrews to be able to extricate yourself from bondage and find a place of freedom. And every one of us is in bondage to some Pharaoh. Every one of us has a Pharaoh in our lives, an unhappy relationship, a desire to be better, and we just can't raise ourselves up by our own bootstraps because we don't see the potential we have. The burning bush is a message to every human being. We have the potential to reach beyond ourselves. Like Moses, reach beyond yourself, God is in effect saying, and go back there. Stand up to power and lead those people who have the power innately within themselves to free themselves from bondage. Every human being has that potential. Every human being, in effect, stands before the metaphor of a burning bush because it is a universal message. It is a universal truth, which is what the Torah is all about. What's that truth? We all have potential. We all have such goodness if we just recognize it. The bush says to Moses, Moses, recognize what is within yourself. Now go back there and do what you need to do. But beyond Moses, the message is to all of us. Recognize the potential in ourselves. Now go what you need to do to make the world a better place, to bring freedom, goodness, a sense of empowerment for being a partner with the divine in creation. If God's potential, which is what God is admitting through the biblical author, I will be whom I will be. I'm never the same. I'm always different. So are we. So the person who says, I can't change. 
misses the point of being human. Of course we can change. All we need is the desire and that sense of empowerment. So the message of this Torah portion is really very simple and very clear to every human being, Jew and non-Jew alike. We have potential. We have greatness within us. Just recognize it and then act. So I think it's a very, very powerful message. And I'm sure for many of our listeners, um, the message of potential and the message of ever-changing possibilities is extremely powerful. But for some of our listeners, the notion that God is ever-changing and not static may be a challenging message. It may be a message that um, they are um, unused to hearing or uncomfortable hearing. And I'm wondering whether you could help those listeners understand how the message of an ever-evolving God, based on the Hebrew of the future tense, does not deny God, but offers us a different vision of who God is and how we might understand God. Do you think you can help our listeners with that dynamic? Think think of the universe. The universe, we are told by scientists, is ever-expanding, ever-evolving. And we see it all around us. We see it in the seasons. We see it in the growth and death and growth and death pattern of the world in which we inhabit. There is change happening constantly. The universe is an extension of the divine. The divine is in all of us and in everything in the universe. In a sense, there's no distinction between God and God's creation. The universe is ever-changing. And yes, many of us learn as youngsters that there is a vision of God. And we each learn about God from parents, from teachers, from beloved clergy. But as each of us evolves, grows, and expands our intellectual awareness, we have the ability to change our perspective on life, on the universe, and the divine. Often I hear people say to me, Rabbi, I can't accept the, the ideas of God that I learned as, as a youth. I, I grew out of that. I look at them and I say, okay, now that you've told me what you've grown out of, 
Can you tell me what you have grown into? The journey of a human being is growth, development, evolution, the ever-expanding ability we have to reach beyond ourselves, to explore, and, and to weigh in the balance ever new ideas, ever new concepts. Why would anyone think God is static? God is dynamic. God is that force in the universe that creates dynamism, opportunity, empowerment. And that's why this Torah portion for me is the most empowering portion, the most empowering words in the entire biblical text. Because I'm a nothing. As a human being, I'm a speck. But I remember the story of Galileo, when his assistant questioned him and said, Galileo, why are you bothering to look through that telescope into the universe? Don't you understand that you're just a speck in the universe? And how does Galileo supposedly responding? He says, ah, you're right. I'm just the speck in the universe. But I am the speck that dreams. It's a powerful message, and I guess it can affirms the development of God in the book of uh, Genesis, because there, too, following your wonderful uh, homiletics and your exegesis, <coughs> we see that God um, is ever-changing, the God of Genesis 1, uh, who creates is certainly not the same God who uh, offers Abraham a test on Mount Moriah or God who uh, challenges Abraham uh, at Sodom and Gomorrah or even the God of the Noah story. Each and every one of those narrative versions offers the reader uh, a different insight into what deity is or what deity can be and how human uh, existence should, as you said, replicate the ever-evolving. And maybe for me and some of our listeners, that would be an easier word, evolving rather than changing. We move, as you said, from a childhood understanding of deity perhaps a figure with a beard or an elderly figure sitting on a throne, um, which as a child might be very comforting, uh, but we outgrow that and think, begin to challenge what a deity for an adult might be. You've offered us a wonderful insight into this week's parasha, a great lesson all from those couple of Hebrew words, uh, uh, I will be what I will be. And so the burning bush affirms for us the power of an ever-evolving uh, deity and how we are challenged to respond as ever-evolving individuals. Uh, Rabbi Bradley Bleefeld 
I want to thank you for uh, joining me this morning. I want to thank you for offering our listeners great insight into Exodus chapter 3 and the episode known as the Burning Bush. Thank you for being with us for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can find a podcast of this morning's show on iTunes or on the chri.ca website. Shalom and have a good day. Shalom.